Welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com. This is your host, Todd Curtis. On August 19, 2014, the FAA published a directive that prevented U.S. airlines from flying over any part of Syrian airspace. Prior to this change of policy, the FAA had suggested that airlines not fly over the airspace, but they've changed that based on changing conditions in the region. The U.S. Federal Aviation Administration Monday issued a notice to airmen restricting U.S. carriers from flying over Syria, citing what the agency calls the ongoing armed conflict and volatile security environment that poses a serious potential threat to civil aviation. It notes that armed extremist groups in Syria are known to be equipped with a variety of anti-aircraft weapons which have the capability to threaten civilian aircraft. Earlier this month, the FAA restricted U.S. carriers from flying over Iraq. Scott Hamilton of the Washington State-based aviation consultancy, Liam Group, told VOA's Victor Beattie he is surprised the FAA did not act sooner, given the downing of Malaysian Airlines flight MH17 July 17th over eastern Ukraine by a surface-to-air missile. The fact that you had an airplane that was flying at 33,000 feet and it got shot down, suddenly they wake up and say there's a problem when you fly over a war zone, it's just mind-boggling. I guess uh, what's happening on the ground has uh, forced the FAA to become, what would you say, more uh, sensitive to what's going on on the ground in, around the world? I, I think that's a fair conclusion, and, and the FAA, unfortunately, has been known for decades as a tombstone agency. Uh, they don't take action until somebody dies, uh, and as tragic as MH17 was concerned, uh, that's the Malaysian flight that went down over the, the Ukraine after being shot down. But where in the world has the FAA been? This is just another example of tombstone mentality. And I think, as much as I hate to say it, uh, because Congress always overreacts to stuff anyway, uh, that somebody ought to, ought to be asking some tough questions of the FAA. What impact will this have on transcontinental flights? What the effect is, is it will uh, mean uh, longer routings, more cost in, in terms of fuel, uh, wear and tear on the airplanes. But flying around hostile areas is not at all uncommon. Uh, you know, U.S. airlines have been flying around uh, the Korean Peninsula since the Korean War. To this day, you can't overfly North Korea. Uh, so anything going from Tokyo to China, for example, has to fly around the Korean Peninsula or certainly around the uh, North Korean airspace. So this is not new. Todd Gertis, founder of the Seattle-based website, airsafe.com, says many carriers long ago came to the conclusion Syrian airspace was too dangerous. Recently, I looked at one of the many commercial applications that are out there, a website that tracks commercial activity all over the world. And it's interesting that uh, on this morning, August 19th, there was actually no commercial airliners of any kind flying over Syria in airspace. And surprisingly, there were quite a few over northern Iraq, but none over Syria. So this has been something that the FAA didn't have to come out with a change of ruling. I believe other countries, and more specifically other airlines, have seen fit to avoid that area while that situation sorts itself out. There's an organization in Switzerland called the Small Arms Survey. They came out with a report recently indicating armed groups in Syria have an estimated several hundred portable anti-aircraft missiles that can easily be diverted to extremists and used to destroy low-flying commercial planes. Uh, is it becoming increasingly dangerous to fly the world's skies today? Well, it's increasingly dangerous for that reason that was mentioned, not just in Syria or in that region, but small shoulder-fired missiles are common throughout the world in conflict zones. 
Now, the bad thing about those missiles is that they can cause serious damage to large commercial airliners and may even shoot them down. Uh, one limitation that these systems have is that they typically can only be effective up to about 10 to 15,000 feet. When aircraft are flying at cruising altitudes, typically in the 30,000 to 40,000 foot range, those kinds of missiles won't be a hazard. But as MH17 has shown, if you have a new system introduced into an area, a system that has the capability to reach into the stratosphere, and if airlines are not aware of them, they could unwittingly fly into areas where they could be reached by these missiles. And it's unclear whether that sort of situation is happening right now in Syria. Curtis says today's environment is making it more challenging for governments and carriers to determine which airspace needs to be avoided. Well, I don't think it'll make it increasingly unsafe. What I think it will make it is more difficult for governments and for airlines to carefully consider which conflict areas to avoid. That is, they can't just look at a conflict area and automatically say we can't fly there. They have to have much better intelligence about what kinds of threats happen to exist in that area. And unfortunately, I believe the civil airlines don't have the capability to have that sort of intelligence gathering capability. There are only a handful of governments around the world, primarily the United States, that have the resources to accurately count and accurately catalog, rather, the kinds of threats that exist around the world. The problem, as I see it, is, is there a mechanism in place to very quickly transfer that knowledge to civil aviation organizations, while at the same time not compromising the sources or the methods of the U.S. government in order to make uh, flying safer for civilians? For more information about airline safety, please visit airsafe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.